ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 69 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. Nice. We've got a great guest lined up this week. It's myself, Andrew Hall, and my co-host this week, Scott Sidlow. How you doing this afternoon or this evening? Scott, how you doing? I am doing well. I am still tired. I still have this uh, this little baby crying all the time and, uh, you know, fun times with that. So shout out to all the parents way. out there. Nice. It's uh, fun times, fun times, Good. but... Hey, talking about my favorite thing um, in the world and also a pretty special, awesome guest tonight. So very excited for that. Yeah, this week we've got Brandon Marianne Lee from The Athletic joining us tonight. Brandon, how are you this evening? Hello, hello, hello. I'm good. I'm so excited to be here and to talk Dynasty. I haven't done a Dynasty show uh, this season yet, so this will be fun. I was going to ask you that, and it kind of maybe we start with that. I know you're you're obviously a, a I would say a seasoned veteran is the easiest way I can put that. You've been doing fantasy for a while. You know what you're talking about. But dynasty is a little bit of like a game within a game, right? It's a little bit of a longer version. It's yes. a different kind of version of fantasy. So it does take a little bit of thought and everything. That's why I'm a big fan of dynasty. Once I got in, I was like, I'm never going back. This is my kind of style. But what's your story with dynasty? I guess when did you start playing? How many years you've been in it? And kind of what are your thoughts on it in general? So um, I started playing fantasy football in general in 2008. Um, and I started playing Dynasty. I don't think it was until like 2015. And um, I'm in one league now. I had to give up two other ones uh, when I was on break. Uh, and the one league that I maintained actually was started by – um, the late and incredibly great Mr. Mike Tagliere. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. So he started this dynasty league when he and I were working together and on a podcast together for pro football focus. Um, yes. And I so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, and we were friends and, you know, he asked a bunch of people to join and I was one of them and that was great. So that's the one that I'm still in. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I, it's, it is a true commitment, which is why when I couldn't commit, I didn't want to like mess up all my league mates. And I know that's probably a hot topic for Dynasty, right? I mean, I think we all that's have fair. a lot of people in that's there <laughs> that are that are um, messing things up. And so I guess my one thing is like I I'm a, I'm someone who's almost painfully self aware, so I just knew I was like I don't want to be that person. So oh, my logic is always. If you can't do it all the way, don't do it, right? Like, I, I don't like, I think we've all been in leagues with people that are just not setting lineups and not doing waivers. And it's like, listen, I don't I don't mind if you're busy. That's fine. We all have lives. If it's too much, let, let's find someone else. That's always the way to do it. And I never I, feel and bad about leaving a league. You know what I mean? Like, if I can't do it, I'm helping everybody out. It's better for everybody. So no hard feelings there. And I had to do that. 
I mean, in some, because like there was a while, I think especially when you're in the industry, a lot of people don't understand this. They're like, post your records, post it on. Listen, <laughs> half the time these links are things I had to do for an article. And like I did a, a certain draft strategy to try it out and talk about in some article. And then I'm just playing catch up the whole time. Now, I really do try to, I always, always set my lineups that I don't ever not do. Oh, yeah. Right. However, some waiver wires, some Tuesdays, some leagues get more attention than others. And there's just <laughs> no getting doubt. around it. If you yes. are in 15 plus leagues, you're just, you cannot dedicate five hours every Tuesday to this. You just can't, especially when you're working in the industry because you're also writing Tuesday articles. Yeah. You're running around on all this stuff. Like what, what do you think is going on here? Who do you think does all well, this stuff for you? Scott, so you I just, wower? Yeah. how many leagues are you in, Scott? Yeah, so uh, Brandon, I'm a uh, portfolio dynasty player, so mm. I have 40 plus dynasty leagues. Um, I used to be in, you know, a dozen redraft leagues and things like that, but I've really cut back on on redraft. I think I'm in three, three redraft, and technically, I think two are keepers. So, um, so yeah, so I'm in a lot of dynasty leagues, and I know exactly what you mean because I. I basically would have to do it full time if I wanted to run through waivers on every league and do all that. So. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, pick and choose a little bit. And and obviously, we'll get into this actually later in the show, but some of my teams are going to get more attention now as we get kind of into the meat of the season, right? So, exactly. so yeah, I, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just better to, like you said, be all in or or just step out of the way and let, let somebody else be involved. Because it's not fun for you either if you can't, you know, if you're not keeping up and you're missing out and then you're like, oh, I could have picked up that player. I should have been doing this or I didn't make that trade or, you know, so, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you, you got to enjoy it, too. That's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I don't think, think I've had a fun. single I don't think I've had a single commissioner say, how dare you leave this league? It's almost always like, thanks for letting me know. We'll find someone and you move on. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it, it ends up being better for the league, too. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's ever a problem. And I know we were, we were briefly before the show, we were talking about pandemic babies. I feel like there were a lot of pandemic leagues. Right. There were yes. a lot of people that joined a bunch of leagues because we were just bored inside and in the in the after the draft dynasty league startups were going nuts. And I do think that we saw some of those get dropped this year, but I think we're going to see even more as we go forward. There's going to be a lot more orphans and safe leagues and things like that. But again, that's OK. That's fine. And we're going to be here to walk you through all of that. Right. Part of the junkies, what we like to do is talk right. about kind of the immediate stuff, what's going on now, try to help our teams win. And then we try to zoom out a little bit and see what we can do to help our listeners and try to feel ways to find trades or feel like what's what's the next thing we should be looking for let's keep our eyes in the long term so with that in mind actually let's kind of get into a little bit of week seven i don't want to get too far in the weeds but i do want to kind of get at least a little bit because dynasty becomes redraft in a way right when you build all these teams you get all these trades you still got to set the lineup you still got to go win that week you got to win your matchup you know dynasty becomes week to week which can be a grind and it can be a slog and it can be waivers are tough and all that I, I get it, but at the same time, we got to keep focusing, got to keep grinding. That's the only way you win, right? The one thing I tell people all the time, how do you get better at this? Just keep trying. Don't give up, right? And if you're in a league that you're not interested in, see the season out, finish the year, and then abandon your team after, right? Like say, I can't do this any – don't quit in week seven, right? Even if you're out of it, in Dynasty, you're never out of it. And that's what we'll kind of get into a little bit later. But I guess maybe, Scott, let's start with you. What's your one big takeaway from week seven? If you could look back on this one specific week, what stands out to you when you think back? what stands out and the only thing that comes to mind is is brutal yeah brutal <laughs> I, I know we're always you know every year i feel like we have this conversation oh this is the worst year ever for injuries or what you know like we we just we seem to say that 
every year. But I don't know. I'm telling you, there were there were lineups where I I had no one to start. I mean, you talk about I had maybe six starting quarterbacks week six, and by week seven, through injuries and buys, I had none. I couldn't start. I couldn't start a single quarterback in a super flex league, and I just had six of them. You know, and it's like uh, I cannot remember a single week like that um, in in quite some time. So. Yeah, it was a brutal week, and I kind of just, honestly, I just expected to lose every league, and I was like, not even worried about. I was like, I'm gonna set my best lineups. I'll just let it ride, and if I win anywhere, I'm just gonna be stoked that hey, I got you know, I got the win. And and there were some that were like, I won like 90 to 60, where the average score is normally like you know 180, right? Yeah. But yeah. the other team was just that much worse off than me. So well, that's what I was yeah. going to say, actually, because yeah. everybody had this right. Everybody right. was suffering. So it was kind of like it was a weird like a like a apocalyptic view of, of, of fantasy. You know what I mean? Like it's what it would happen if we were only down to like instead of 32 teams, if there were only 26, this is what it would feel <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like we should have been in 10 team leagues. This is 12 is too many. What are we doing? So but I think, too, though, I, there was I think two leagues where I was in where I had no points on my bench. Where like literally I started the only yeah. options I could and my bench was zeros. I'm like, well, at least I made the right choices, right? That helps. I don't have to think too much about who am I starting this week? Oh, it's clear. Let's move on to the next league, right? That kind of makes it nice. So yeah, that was that's a good takeaway. Brandon, does that ring true for you or do you have something else you take away from week seven? Yeah, no, I mean, it, I had actually a pretty good week because uh, I did. I made the right choices and other people <laughs> did too. And it, I still was a little bit better. Um, I also found that I don't have as many studs on the teams that were all on by than I thought I did. And then I was like, oh, are these teams bad? But no, I'm in like fourth place. So I'm not that bad. Uh, so I guess it's okay. Um, I I feel like there are a couple things that I took away from week seven. I think one is if I have Justin Fields, I'm shopping him for the people that still believe in him. Yeah. Um, and there are people in leagues, may or may not. And so like, um, but I think I'm always in a win now mode and there's 0% chance that you're going to win now with Justin Fields. So if you're in win now, this is, this is the time to sell him. Somebody on this podcast might've mentioned that previously. I'm just, <laughs> just, just going to throw that out there. Go ahead. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, that would mm. be Scott. We know, we know Yeah, he's a Michigan fan too. So that makes it even better. Yeah. I, I just feel like, um, uh, I, I think this is rough. And especially if you're in a one quarterback league, I don't think it's enough of a benefit to have him. Period. And you I mean know, like as in on a bench? Like what? Why even roster him? Right? Something like that. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, if I can get things for him now, I don't think even if he does well next year, I'd feel bad about it. That's in a, a one quarterback league, I just yeah. wouldn't. I, I agree. So yeah. who cares? So get yeah. something now and win now. Um, and like we were saying, like a lot of people that these orphan leagues and stuff, there's no guarantee that your league's going to be there next year. I know that sounds terrible, but whenever people are like, oh, I'm going to build because I can win in like 2025, you have <laughs> right. no idea if this league's here in 2025 or if you can be in this league in 2025 because of your yep. life. So win now, especially if you're in the middle to upper, this is the time to make the moves. And I feel like that's the thing. Also, I think there might be a possible buy low very small window on Marquise Brown because everyone's into Rashad Bateman right now. 
That's a good point. Yep. So I would maybe okay. test that water a little bit and, and look at other teams too, where people are really into this one player, like he's amazing. And then like no one else cares. And then also my favorite move right now is to buy all the old people. If you need to win. Yes. Yes. Go through the rankings, the dynasty rankings compared to real life and see who has a massive disconnect because of their age. And you just, you sweep them up. Uh, my favorite thing to do is to go and and if I'm in either the middle or the top, like you were saying, if I'm if I'm trying to contend, I love going and looking at my uh, my league and seeing who's one and six, who's two and five, and do they have Melvin Gordon? Do they have Emmanuel Sanders? Do they have Zach Ertz? These players that are kind of like you don't really want them in Dynasty, and those guys are at the bottom of your of your standings. They're not going to want them, so you can get rid of the for a third round pick or something. You can get some of these guys to add points to your team. And we talk about it on this a lot. I know it, it comes up all the time in Dynasty, but you know, trade value versus production value is something we always talk about. And I just wrote an article for Fantasy Pros that talked about that too, where production value sometimes gets overlooked in Dynasty, where the points, we need points to win this thing. You know, Dynasty assets are fun and it's nice to have a player who's going to be good in a year, or I want those 2023 picks. Everybody's scrambling to get these 20... 20- I gladly give up my 2023 picks to win a championship right now. I would much rather have a championship than have a chance at Bijan Robinson. You can have that guy. Give me the titles. I don't care. Like the titles are all I'm looking for. That's and right. I, I don't need to be it, the one with the most picks. Like that doesn't, yeah. <laughs> usually that means I've done something terribly wrong. I, you know, I, I'm one of those people that like, there's been years where I didn't, I've had like two picks period in the draft. Yep. And I was like, that's fine. I won last year. You know, so I, right. I, I don't think that we uh, talk about, I think Cordero Patterson's another one too. I think you can buy him really, really low now because he's yep. old and he underproduced last week. So uh, this might be your moment. And I do think with those state of running backs right now, he's going to continue to be effective for points in your dynasty teams. Yeah. And I think and that there- that's important. There's a lot of teams, I think, right now that are in the middle. I think with week seven, you still got a little bit of the, uh, you know, 10 teams feel like they have a chance, right? You, you probably still have, it's not like it's week 12 and there's really only the six that are making the playoffs. You've got a lot of time to make some moves still. You've got some bye weeks that just happened, obviously, that might have had a down week or two, right? The players, oh, my guys are coming off a bye, I'm ready to turn it around. So there's still a lot of market out there. And I think, too, each league is its own market. And I think that's something I would take away from week seven is like, well, take this as even if you won or lost, it really doesn't matter. Week seven was such a weird, like you can't look at it as a, yeah, don't I lost an amount, right? Like you can't right. take that from it, but there are going to be teams that will, there are going to be teams in your league that are now three and four thinking, well, might as well blow it all up and start over. And it's like, eh, I mean, you're, you're definitely allowed to do that, but I don't know if every league needs to worry about that. And I think you were actually, I heard this on the, the athletic podcast. You were talking about it, right? And we're like, I could be in seventh place, but be, third in scoring yeah, like yeah. I'd much rather look at scoring like how am, how is my team actually performing because it's not late enough for seventh matters you know what I mean there's plenty of time to make that up I'm in three leagues like that where I'm in the top three for points some of them number one and I'm in seventh place for yeah. some reason seventh Oof. place is like my my like place and these like I love know, seventh place right now though seventh it's like place is great I'll live I there am- right now you about ready to take off you know and it's fine exactly. you know I I feel fine about it I'm not gonna freak out um but also because I'm lower, 
um, sometimes I can get actually better trades because people don't think mm-hmm. I'm necessarily trying to compete all Good that point. much. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, they're not as suspicious. Whereas if you're towards the top and you're like, Hey, I want your best player. They're like, <laughs> you know, yeah, so right. um, yeah. Well, and also you're trading with your competition in these leagues, right? You're not trading with an unknown market. These are players that are giving you or other players, other fantasy players that are giving you NFL players to help your team. And so if you're seen as a contender, sometimes you have people that go, no, 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 I'm not trading you that because I'm fighting against you. But if you're seventh, eighth place and you're three and four and they're like, oh, you're not a threat, I'll trade with you. And you're like, sucker, I just got your best player. You know what I mean? Like you just get, you just Sneaky. helped me out a ton. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I love yeah. it. And yeah. I think we can kind of even use that as our takeaway for the first half, which I kind of wanted to talk about, but it sounds like it's all kind of right here. The first half of the season has been a little chaotic, right? We've, we've talked about it already. It's been a little wild. We've had some bye weeks, obviously, have already come through. We've only got two on bye this week, and it kind of stretches out into week 14, I think, technically, we still have buys. So we've got a long stretch of weeks with buys, but the big week is over, right? The big hurdle is over. We're not going to have another bipocalypse, as far as we know, you know barring a, a some sort of COVID cancellation or something, which, again, knock on wood, we're not going to deal with that this year. But point is, we are through the heart of most of those those painful weeks with the injuries and who's starting, who's not. I think that's what I'm taking away from the first half is we kind of know who players are, right? Mm-hmm. We know who's going to be. Like, it's not Javante season like we thought it was going to be. Melvin Gordon is still clearly entrenched. It's also not, not Trey Sermon season. You know what I mean? Like, Trey Sermon is not doing anything this year. So, And that's probably not going to change. So through seven weeks, you kind of have an idea of what's going on. I, Scott, I guess, were you saying Javante is going to be the guy? Do you think Gordon's gone still? I think they run Gordon into the ground at this point. I called this at the beginning of the season. I was like, it's Melvin Gordon. He's DeMarco Murray, and I'm sorry. That doesn't okay. mean that Derrick Henry wasn't going to become Derrick Henry, but it did mean DeMarco Murray was there. He and was in the way that year. The Taking first touches. year was tragic, and everyone was like, but Derrick Henry's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I oh, know. We all agree. It doesn't matter. He's not That's getting not enough discussion. time. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. if you look at the snap counts, they're actually going back down again for Javante Williams. I'm not saying that makes sense. It did reverse the last few weeks. <laughs> but that doesn't that's make what's sense. going on. It doesn't need to make sense, right? The uh, the the was it the fallacy of rational coaching, right? We always think that coaches are smart and doing the right thing. That's not always true. But again, I mean, there's a whole bunch of narratives you can you can weave mm. for whatever kind of argument you want when it comes to these guys. You know, like, let's why not run Melvin Gordon into the ground and save Javante's legs? It's like, well, maybe Javante could use the experience and he's good at pass pro. So why not leave him in there every down? Like, you can go build whatever narrative you want. And it, that especially comes true in trade talks, right? If you're saying Melvin Gordon, I want to go get Melvin Gordon. Well, then you hype the heck out of Javante Williams. You go, Man, Javante's going to take over any minute. You know that. Just I'll give you a third from Melvin Gordon. You can get out of that. You don't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, there's all that kind of stuff. That's the mental game within the game within the game. You know what I mean? I think, it's all part of the fun. And the problem with Dynasty is that I need to overpay for Javante Williams, and I can get Melvin Gordon for free. Right. So right. that's the problem. And, that's and, what it comes and, down to. And is Melvin Gordon going to be useful next year? Absolutely not. But probably again, not, yeah. if I just Bingo. need points this year – this is what I'm talking about, like where you can be like, OK, you know what? I'm going to go for the guy that's free and he's just going to get thrown in for like nothing. And I can at least have someone on my team who's going to be scoring double digit points every week. Yeah. And, you know, with Javante Williams, you're buying him for the future. And I don't have a problem with that. But as I just think that is the reality, like you were saying, like it 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 did not fr- come to fruition in the way that we we thought it would. And when I watch the game, I, I you know, it's. The eye test is that Melvin Gordon's fine. It doesn't look that bad to me either. I'm right there, with you. Yeah. there are other teams that would love to have that. So oh. I, 
I don't think he's that bad. And I think that, that the Broncos feel the same way. And I don't know. I mean, I'm a Broncos fan, born and raised in Colorado. So um, I also know that the team is, is not good. Um, <laughs> we, we were, yeah. what are the they coach. say? Punching yeah. above our class or whatever for a long time. We were, we, we had a good record and I was like, this is not a good scene. Um, <laughs> so, and the coaching yeah. is not good, which is why I'm also not shocked about the Melvin Gordon thing. Well, but that also explains why Javante might be even better next year, right? Maybe the coaches change. Maybe there's some changing yes. that has to occur to turn that team around. And, and again, we were talking about fields earlier. I think this is kind of why I'm one of those people you were talking about in a, in a league where I'm rebuilding where I'm, I'm 0-7 and I have no chance of anything this year. As an orphan, I just took over and I'm, my team is terrible. I'm trying to accrue picks and try to get something that's a little more stable, but I am going after guys like Justin Fields, right? Like somebody who, this is the dip. And I do think that there may be a couple more weeks of this, which could even lower his price further, you know? I just put a poll out on Twitter today that was saying, which would you rather have, a 2023 first or Justin Fields and Superflex? It was overwhelmingly Justin Fields. And I'm like, that blows my mind because there's so many people that are just done with him and want to get, I'm like, so I'm not alone, right? I think Justin Fields still has some value and, and something else about the picks. And I say this all the time. I love trading those picks away two years because I can go get them back, right? People always think, yep. well, I've traded it and it's gone. Oh, that's the last trade you're ever going to make. I doubt it. You know what I mean? Like you can go get another <laughs> one. Go just keep trading until you're done. You know, that's a, that's what 18 months from now we have to worry about those picks. I got time. I'm not worried about it. I'm concerned about Justin Fields awareness slash lack thereof there are a whole bunch of red flags on that offense right now and i think i attribute a lot of it to Nagy myself and them not preparing him correctly and not 100 percent in the locker room or in the the meeting rooms or everyone to call it in the video room where they're not teaching him the stuff he needs to learn to be a good quarterback at this stage and i think that's where it's going to get burned and the coaches are going to go fields is going to stay and they're going to get a better coach that teaches him next year and i think that's going to help him and that's why i think he's going to have an okay future because He's too talented, in my opinion. He's too talented to be a one-year bust and out. He's not a Josh Rosen, right? That's not – I don't see that for him. He's got some foot talent. He can run around. I think there's still some potential. But that coaching staff is just killing him right now. And I think the sooner they get rid of Nagy, the better chances for Fields. But, I mean, again, it is scary. It is a risk. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There is still some – you're de definitely taking a calculated risk if you're getting Fields on your dynasty team right now. Like, you got to really hope and pray that there's some some turnaround coming. Another guy on that same kind of page is, I mean, to kind of change the subject a little, though, and we don't have to get into the other stuff, but Deshaun Watson, right? Is he going to go somewhere in the next week? Is he going to be on a team in Miami or Carolina or somewhere? Is he going to be making some actual no. fantasy production this year? I don't think so either. I think he stays. <laughs> no, because stays you can't now. you can't take the PR hit and give up the amount of assets it's going to take. And for a guy who may never play, you just you can't take that risk. I mean, there's a few organizations that that are questionable enough to maybe do it, but I don't. I. I would strongly bet against it. I don't I see it happening shocked. without any clarity. I would be shocked. Yeah, I, I don't know how they can chance. still ask for three firsts. I, oh, I that right. is just shocking to me. And we play dynasty, so it's <laughs> right. shocking that they think that that's a possibility. Um, and uh, you know, what I, I will say about the, the cases, because I think this is important, is that um, the only way he could start getting to a point where I would even remotely consider it is if he changed his tune on settling. Mm. Because that's the only way that these criminal charges will go away. I, this is important, though, right? So I'm sure. not, I'm not yeah. even going to go into anything else. The no, criminal charges, you can't yeah, yeah. settle, right? 
But if people refuse to come forward in the criminal case because they settled before that, then they don't have enough evidence to bring the criminal case to trial. If there is no settling and they are able to bring a criminal case, I just think at a certain point, once there's two cases going on here, then NFL is going to have to step in. Right. There, there's no way that that's not going to happen. So unless I hear from his attorney or Deshaun Watson that he has changed his tune on that because he was very clear that he is not going to settle, then it's too high of a risk for me personally, regardless of anything else. And I would think it'd be too much of a risk for any other team. So unless behind the doors, that's the only way this is happening is if behind closed doors, he's saying, okay, fine, I'm going to settle. I'm going to get this done. We're going to da 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 That's the only way this happens. I completely agree. And I think too, that it's just, I don't, I think this is one of those cases of it doesn't really matter what the answer is. Not having an answer is the reason nothing is happening. Yeah. If we knew he was suspended for a year, let's say that this a year from now, this is all done. The criminal cases are done. And Goodell comes out and says he's suspended for a full year, one calendar year from today. Right now, then teams can look at that and say, okay, now I can assess his value. Where are we going to be in a year? What do we want to give up for that? The fact that it could be zero or a year, that that's too wide of a range, in my opinion, for any team to take a real risk on. You're not going to send three first round picks for a player that might not play for you for a whole year and could tank your entire reputation in your town. Like that's just too much risk. There's just too no much. Chance. And I no don't chance. think he plays another snap for Houston either. So like, I don't know what happens here. And I think that's what everybody's just waiting on the answer, whatever it is, before they make a decision, I think. Well, this is especially true because all of these owners are trying to rely on taxpayers for their new stadiums. Yep. Right? So right. if you take that kind of PR hit, it actually hurts you financially. It's yep. very direct. Absolutely. So if you wow. all of a sudden have legislators that say, absolutely not, you're a corrupt organization because of X, Y, and Z then you're you're it's playing with your money. So I, well, I agree with you. I think it's just too much. And and I think that um, from a dynasty perspective, if someone loves Deshaun Watson and you got him sitting on your bench have all year, again, shop him, hear them out. If you can get something just in case it's nothing, that's still better. Like I, I really think that. And again, this is also about is it super flex or one quarterback? Right, 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 right. One quarterback I'm avoiding like Justin Fields. Like there's just no point in even having him on my bench. It's there's there's no value, even if he comes back and whenever that is, I probably have a better quarterback anyway. You know what I mean? Like I don't I'm not that desperate for a quarterback in one QB. And Superflex, I do think it's similar to Justin Fields too, though. He's somebody I'm kind of targeting on a low ball offer and trying to see what the floor I can get. If it's something like a like even like a 2023 first, like I was saying for Fields, I might send that for Watson to be like, ah, that's two years out. He's playing by oh, then anyway. Definitely. He's probably for Superflex. Maybe that's worth doing, right? But then the guy that has Watson, the manager that has Watson, is that enough for them to get rid of it? Because it's like, well, he could be a top five quarterback in Dynasty in two years. Like that'd be worth more than the first. I mean, it's because again, we in Dynasty don't know any more than anyone else. And I think too, the, the thing that we've learned, I think this year more than any, is that values are very different across the board for, for a lot of fantasy players. You know, some yes. people are fine taking risks and love taking risks and trade all the time. Others are more of the hoarding type. They take a player and they never touch it. They never move it. They just let it go because they're in so many leagues. They can't focus on trades anyway. I mean, like we're seeing all across the board, a whole bunch of things. I've got some leagues where it's real active, some where it's none at all. So, I mean, again, each market being so unique and so different. I mean, in 40 leagues, Scott, you're as a portfolio player, you're seeing all sorts of information that I don't even see. You know, you're probably seeing a whole bunch of different trades that I would be 
astounded to see in some of my leagues where there's no movement for weeks. You know what I mean? We've had three trades in one of my leagues and one dynasty league, three trades. That's it for the whole year. And I was involved in two of them. Like, that's insane. You know what I mean? Like, it just because yeah. I'm like, come on, guys, let's do something. Let's do something because I'm a junkie. That's what I do. But it's, <laughs> that's the whole point. It's like, I just want to. I ready. need it. I put it in my veins. But anyway, yeah. so uh, let's let's kind of go forward a little bit. Using some of this week seven talk and kind of talking about some of this, I do want to get into some of the injuries. We're not really a news show. This isn't what we're supposed to be, but we do like to talk about it because a lot of this can change the value of players in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. And kind of what you were saying before too, Brandon, it can it can provide opportunities to buy older players or to buy backups for cheap. Uh, maybe you're looking at a, a, a championship run and you're one piece away or you had a guy that got hurt and now you need a QB or you need a tight end. So let's start looking at some of these injuries. I put a lot of them on the show sheet. We don't have to talk about each one, but... Maybe, Brandon, which quarterback this week, I guess, is the, the biggest injury concern for you? And I've got a few listed, but which one do you want to talk about, I guess? Which one stands out? Well, I think that Tua surprisingly looked really good. I don't I don't yeah. know why everyone hates him. I feel like people really disrespect him. It's because he's yeah. a lefty. Is that, <laughs> maybe. Is that, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, so that probably is um, the one that I'm most excited about on this list. I will say that Zach Wilson, hear me out here. I want to talk about this. If yeah. you're in a two quarterback lead, the best thing that happened is Joe Flacco coming to that team because Correct. they needed veteran leadership to help him in the film room. More yes. than anything else, this is a massive step in his development as a quarterback Excellent and point. for all of the other pieces around him. He has just been overwhelmed and the coaching staff did him zero favors in helping him learn the NFL. When you watched him, he actually has some good elements here. I don't think he's like a lost cause at all. He's on the Jets, mm-hmm. so poor thing, right? <laughs> um, but yeah. I don't think that this is a bust situation, but a, we needed to change things up. So I actually think the Joe Flacco insertion more than the injury though, is what's going to help him. I think he needs a break. He's gotten sacked crazy amounts of times let's give this guy a break let him be in the film room with a guy who's been in the national football league for a long time has a high football iq and get him on the right track so i think you could still get him low especially because he's injured and i think there's a possibility that this is a major step in the right direction for a turnaround i completely agree yeah and i mean scott what are your thoughts on zach wilson is that kind of hitting true for you too it's uh a hundred percent agree. Could not agree more. Yes. And, and I mean, the biggest thing to um, that offense, it, you need to run the ball in that offense. It's all yes. it's play action. It's rollouts. That's what they do. That's the, how the passing game develops. It works off the running game and they can't run the ball right now. So when he drops back to pass, he's just getting, I mean, everybody knows when they're passing. Right. And so he's just, he's getting annihilated. The lines in rough shape. And so, yeah, I mean, a combination of things there. I thought they, I know initially they had talked about like having uh, Josh McCown as the quarterback's coach there and, mm-hmm. and he would be around and help mentor and things like that. And so, yeah, he's not playing, but at least that's somebody who's played recently. He's a great mentor. And so now Flacco can kind of come in and be that role. And I mean, he knows why he's there. And I know in the past Flacco said, you know, he's not a mentor or whatever. He doesn't need to be, honestly. Just sit in the room with him, listen to the the questions he asked, what's he looking at on film, just things like that. You know, you'll, he will gain so much knowledge from that. So that that's, that's the best point that could be made. 
Brandon. Yeah, just by osmosis, right? Just being in the room and being able to yeah. ask Joe Flacco questions or hear how Joe Flacco breaks down on a defense and kind of, you know, Absolutely. those little things are just going to matter a lot. You know, and I think, too, that you hit on the nail on the head there, too, Brandon, that this is the the partially, anyway, the start of the dip on Zach Wilson. I think that coming into the year, it was he was probably a top three quarterback in Superflex, and, like, everybody was giving him all this, you know, attention in the new Jets offense. They got Elijah Moore. They got Michael Carter. Like, they got a whole bunch of new weapons. Denzel Mims is going to break out. And then it just came out flat, right? The whole thing yeah. just didn't work, and the whole offense hasn't looked good. And I think I, I was shocked that they didn't say he was out because his back was killing him from trying to carry the team. You know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous. And I think, yes. too, if he takes a couple weeks off, let Mike White go in there and take some sacks for a couple weeks. Let Zach get healthy. Get, I mean, they're not going anywhere this year. Earn anyway. that no backup QB that. money. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, you hold that clipboard. <laughs> Let's see if you, you learned anything you get from it. You two games right? to have to earn it. Sorry. But see, also, this could be good for Mike White to kind of do an audition in a way, right? Like, there are a bunch of teams that need backup QBs. And they, I mean, the Jets just got Flacco. They don't need three maybe they can trade something for him after this game you never know right Google but I Matt think Flynn it, action oh man that would be hilarious but no I'm, I'm looking at it more like Zach Wilson in Dynasty you're exactly right this injury provides a window for you to try to see what the price is let's go take a look let's in Superflex I would really say Superflex only I'm not going right. to really go shopping for him in one QB I don't think it's necessary but he might be a throw-in in a one QB league right you could get him added to your bench for nothing if you've got some aging players let's say you got I don't know, like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are on your, your only two quarterbacks. I would have no problem at all adding Zach Wilson in a throw-in on a you know a different deal to add some youth to your bench, something like that. I don't think he's got top 12 QB upside, at least for fantasy, at least not right now. But in two QB or Superflex where you need that second or third or fourth quarterback to get through buys, I mean, heck yeah, that, that's the window. And I think it just opened. And I don't think it's going to close for a couple weeks because he's going to be out. So it could be a time to, ch- to just check now. But don't force a trade. Wait a week. You know what I mean? See what happens. See what that that manager needs. If they're obviously they're without Zach Wilson, maybe they need a QB. Maybe you got Geno Smith. Maybe you got Jimmy G. Maybe you got some of these other like short term type quarterbacks. You can get a trade done with one of them and a pick for Wilson. That seems like a boost. You know what I mean? Like get through the whole thing. So yeah, definitely agree with you on the Zach Wilson talk. Let's kind of pivot into running backs a little bit. Unless anyone has another QB they want to bring up. Scott, do you have any QBs you want to talk about? I'm fine with Zach Wilson and Tua. Those are two terrific picks. And the other guys are annoying, like Ben Roethlisberger. I don't want to talk about that guy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Running back, though, there were some different running back issues that we saw come up this week. The one that I really wanted to talk about, I guess, the most was Miles Sanders. What are we doing with Miles Sanders in Dynasty? He was kind of an RB1 and then an RB2, and then he's kind of a flex. And he's not droppable, my God. But what are we doing with this guy? I don't know what to – I have him on, I think, two teams, and nobody wants him. I mean, I just – I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on on Miles Sanders, Brandon? Do you think he's someone that we should be holding on to, or or is it worth maybe moving for whatever you can get at this point? You know, it's so interesting. I took two seasons off uh, trying to get pregnant, and then literally being pregnant. Um, and so things were very weird for me. And during that time, I was listening to content, which really actually when I was working, I never listened to content, which was part of the reason why I always had different takes. I had no idea what anyone else was doing because I was exhausted. And I was working so much. I was like, oh, whoops. And then I'd go on to shows and everyone was on some guy and I'd be like, what? Ew. <laughs> and <laughs> And then people would be like, wait, no, everyone in the industry loves this guy. I was like, oh, heck no. And I'd list all the reasons why I didn't like them. I think that's Miles I Sanders love it. for me. That's Miles I, Sanders? I, I have been off of Miles Sanders for a long time. And again, it almost has nothing to do with him, but I am a usage snob. Okay? If you're the Philadelphia Eagles, it's not good enough. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to just put that out there. If you were running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, 
you are not good enough to be eight RB one in my life. So I know everyone else thought this is Miles Sanders year. This is it. This is what it's going to be. I just, it's a usage issue. You guys, we got it. We got to absorb what's going on in real life. And, and I could things change maybe, but I think now I don't want to say like he's out of practice of being like that kind of volume dude, but I don't know if we know if he could be a volume guy. I don't, yeah, think right. we've seen that. So I can't base anything off of that. And you're right. I think that it's just hard to sell him right now, too, because I think there's just everyone's kind of sick of him and they look at his game log and they're just terrified and they should be. Um, well, his floor is zero, right? Like his floor, he literally could get two <laughs> carries for three yards and that's it. We saw it a couple weeks ago. Man. Actually, it's more like two for 14. But you see what the average is like, zero, like seven that's, yards that's, a carry. They just don't I'm give him the this. ball. But that's where I'm at with this. It's it's usage. It all comes back. It could be two yards or two carries. That's it. Doesn't matter how many yards. If you even if you get sixty yards on two carries, I'm not starting you. Like Correct. you're only getting two right. carries. I don't care what your average is. You're exactly. not getting usage. Like, yeah. And I think that's part of what it is. There's nobody buying him. There's nobody that trusts him. Nobody trusts him. Well, here's well the a other trade. problem with the Eagles is Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah. So a well, lot of people, probably me included. I think most people are worried he's going to lose his job. Yeah. So we don't know what this offense looks like rest of season period, let alone Miles Sanders. Right. So he, he's his own issue, but then there's the whole Philadelphia Eagles. We just have no idea what's going on here. And Jalen hurts is the Blake Bortles of fantasy sports right now. <laughs> yes, and, and by the way, I won many a championship with Blake Bortles. People do not remember that That's man right. scored fantasy points, especially at the end of the season. I don't know Fourth what the quarter. deal was. Mwah. beautiful king. Yep. beautiful he is the og to the jalen hurts so i i feel like that's the problem too with miles sanders and why i probably would just stay because i don't think you're going to get anything because everyone feels this because if you watch a football game you're terrified you look at the box score and you're like whoa jalen hurts scoring 25 points again i'm amazing and all those jalen hurts people if they watched a game are like backing him up as well as they can right now because they're terrified. So I think that's part of it too. I think, I think Miles Sanders has a little bit of Jalen Hurts stank on him. Um, <laughs> Eagles now in general. Yeah. If Gardner Minshew takes over, mm. not that he has a whole lot of power. Okay. He's a backup quarterback. It is what it is. James Robinson did really well mm -hmm. with Gardner Minshew. So I don't think this is like the end of the world. And by the way, James Robinson did well with all the other quarterbacks that were going on with the Jaguars too. So I don't want to act like this is a whole thing, but I think there's a possibility that it gets a little bit better. If Miles Sanders ever has a good game, you sell him that second, but I don't know if he's going to, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't In the uh, DLF trade finder. Here's a good, here's one for you, Brandon. You'll love this. Miles Sanders straight up for Marquise Hallmark Brown. Look at that. Is that beautiful or what? See if oh. if I could get if I could get Brown right now for for Sanders, that's a done deal. That shocks me. Is this I, is this I updated? Uh, October twenty third. <laughs> okay. five days ago. Five wow. days ago. Oh, yeah, smash yes. except on the Brown side there. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So because apparently there like are still fuller, believers but, out there. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, remember beautiful Fuller with with. Um, oh. 
with Deshaun Watson when he would just like all he just needed was those bombs and it was like every it was like clockwork. He was like a video game. It's beautiful. Uh, I, th- that's Marquise Brown now, right? So even yeah. though people are like, oh, well, I'm worried yes. for Rashad Bateman. I'm like, no, nah, this it, it, it's a specific thing that they do and it's fine. He and right. Lamar have a thing. That's what they're going to do. And then Bateman's doing all the other stuff. And that's great. Uh, that would be amazing. I would I would love to get Marquise Brown from Miles Sanders. That would be terrific. Yeah, I, like, I'm just thinking, like, man, I've got to send that trade. Like, maybe, and for someone who doesn't even like Brown, I mean, clearly I call him Hallmark Brown because he's not Hollywood. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's – that's. hey, you never know, right? You never know. And that's uh, that, that may have been Miles Sanders' brother. You know, for all we know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, maybe it was a salary cap league or something, right? Maybe there's another angle we just don't. Uh, know it's, about. It is. It was a safe leagues super flex tight end premium. So okay. I, I do okay. know that. Okay. Well, yeah. someone needed a running back real bad. Maybe that's yeah. the way to put it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you actually, I was just listening to your podcast this week on the Athletic Brandon, where you guys were talking about running backs are going for obscene values just because they're so hard to come by. And I know that was mostly a redraft discussion, but that same thing applies in Dynasty. We're seeing a lot of running backs go down with injuries in Dynasty. These long-term assets, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, all before the season, we've had injuries to all these different running backs. Maybe that's the the answer to why that happened, is that some team just had no running backs and they had a plethora of wide receivers and they were like i gotta make a move and this is the the best i can get i mean that sounds crazy but i mean we've seen crazier things you know what i mean like some of this stuff is all market dependent too so i don't know maybe that's the reason yeah i i just feel like um it's well because some people listening to this are just starting their leagues yes right and if you just did a new uh startup okay you may have incredible wide receivers Mm -hmm. like a redraft right now, right? So I have leagues where I have five wide receivers that are top 25 and I can't start them all. And so that's what we were talking about is that I'm trying to trade away Terry McLaurin in some of these leagues because I don't even start him. Yeah. Because he's inconsistent and he has the worst quarterback out of all my people, right? So I hit on a lot of the people like Pittman and – um, you know, Hollywood Brown or like whoever else. And I'm, I'm like, well, Mike you know, Williams this, is blowing up this year. Mike yeah. Williams. I've got a lot of these people that, um, you know, even like people I picked up, you know, and, it, and, and I just, so I'm like, you know, listen, I think I'd be okay. I would be well, okay if I traded him away, even for like a middling running back, just so that I can get some points. Cause some of them, I've got like Mike Davis and stuff going because I really, <laughs> you know, I got like a, you know, one of them, I, I did Christian McCaffrey and then I really waited on running backs. So I got Daryl Henderson and Damian Harris, which was great, but I also got Mike Davis. Well, Chris McCaffrey's not there. And now I got these two dudes that are like, you know, right. You know, Damian well, Harris what, like hits or doesn't. Yeah. In one of my dynasty leagues, I, I was pretty much out of it last year and I traded for Christian McCaffrey. I traded Derek Henry for Christian McCaffrey, thinking the wheels are going to fall off. Henry and McCaffrey will be back next year. And I had Barkley on the team already. So my, my three running backs are going to be, uh, well, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon Barkley. And this last week, I started Mark Ingram, Dearness Johnson, and Mike Davis. You know what I mean? I'm like, yep. what am I doing? Because it's a start three <laughs> running back league. And I'm just like, I was so primed to win this. And it's a whole different world now, right? Because running backs are just almost, a, not to say a dime a dozen, but they're just getting hurt left and right. And receivers, yeah. we just really haven't seen that. Yeah, there are some guys that are, you know, do not practice or limited. And we'll kind of get into that here. But I mean, for the most part, receivers have been, 
I mean, your later guys are, are blowing up. The earlier guys aren't hurt as much. I mean, yeah, we're not seeing Devontae Adams tonight, but we haven't seen like a big season-ending injury to anybody but Juju, and I don't even know if he counts as a big receiver anymore. And you it's not even I mean? season-ending. Like, He's coming back this week. Well, it's, well, Juju could come back in a couple weeks. Well, not Juju. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, um, sorry, Jerry Judy. I, I just yeah, like Judy. literally blacked yeah. out. JJ, um, Judy, Judy. Yeah, is yeah. Judy so, coming Judy, back Judy, Judy. this week? I think week? so. I think yeah. so. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but so that's kind of what I mean. Like we haven't yeah. seen any of those massive injuries to the receiving group, so that means yeah. there's a lot of receivers that have a potential, and I think that's that's part of what it comes into. But the the one injury I did want to talk about in the receiving group, or I guess the one team would be the Browns. Uh, we saw them last week with Landry coming back and Beckham not being Beckham. I mean, what are we doing with Beckham in Dynasty? I I, I mean, I feel like he's he's drastically undervalued, but is he maybe overvalued and just terrible? I mean. I guess, Scott, where are you at with Beckham? I know you're not necessarily a big fan, but I mean, is it someone you're holding? Or are you selling? Or are you buying? What are so you thinking about? With the Landry reason I'm not a big too? fan is because I, I can't do anything with him for two right. years now. Yeah, It's been two years. I, I can't get anything for him anywhere. I mean, it is, it's, it's mind blowing. Like he's, he's literally worth nothing. I cannot get anything for him. So uh, it's been frustrating. The thing is, he's actually looked pretty decent this year. He's getting open, yep. and Baker is not getting them, him the ball for whatever reason. Now, obviously, he's pretty banged up right now. Um, but even before he was, you know, I guess, guess the shoulder thing's been a couple weeks, but OBJ was open. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was running his routes. He was doing his thing. It's He's still, I think he still has it, but for whatever reason, if it's the offense, um, the connection with Baker, I'm not really sure. So I don't, I don't know. It looks like Baker might, honestly, I still don't think he even knows at this point, he might shut it down for the season. He might try to play through it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think case Keenum, uh, is a, is enough of, he knows the offense well enough. Remember, he had that great year in Minnesota with Stefanski, right? And as long as they still have the great running game, just the only thing you can do with OBJ is hold him for the next few weeks and see if Keenum can come up with some magic and then get out, trade him for how, however you can. I mean, honestly, even if I'm a contender, I'm still trading him because I have not been able to for two years. I I've never seen anything like it for him to go from being like the one Oh one in non super flex startups to a few years later, untradeable. Um, I mean, obviously, there are situations where we've seen running backs like Gurley injury issues, right? And I, I mean, that's different. We understand. But OBJ, yeah, he's been injured. But when he's been healthy and out there, he still looks good. He still looks like a, the crazy athlete that he is. Are you targeting and him in trades? Are you going out and looking for him, though? Like to, to No, because him? I just yeah. know that I can't, I can't do anything with him. So, um, and, and honestly, I think people aren't, you know, people aren't going to give them up for a second. Right. So it, if, if they're not, then I'm not going to pay more than that. So, no, I mean, yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of where we're at. It's, he's one of those just mind boggling players that just, wow, you can't do anything yeah. with them. So I don't <laughs> want anything to do. I'm staying as far away as possible. <laughs> I think I have, uh, two share i actually have a third share because i got him as a throw-in he was a throw-in on a trade i'm not talking like some you know i mean he was a throw-in like 
like no value <laughs> essentially yeah. i traded my like 111 or 110 this was before the rookie draft even so this was obviously you know six months ago probably um and and i got like darnold gaskin and obj and i mean really it was just for darnold i was like i'll throw a late first and get myself a starting quarterback in super flex and gaskin you know whatever i could use a running back who who can't right um and then literally he's like i'll throw in obj and, and I was like, I don't want it. I'll take it if you keep him. I don't want him. Yeah. Honestly, guess, he's he's wasting away on my bench. He's like my wide yeah. receiver nine. You know, yeah. like I well, is that where you're at, Brandon? Are you kind of done with OBJ? You just had enough. Yeah. I, I think what it, <laughs> it yeah, but I, I, yeah. I think that again, like you said, I think it's not necessarily it's a weird thing because it's like not necessarily him. Um, and the injuries, and it's just, it's a lot, but I think the Browns are just a run first team. They're one of the very yeah. few run first teams that are left. That's how they're built. It just, is not built to feature OBJ whatsoever. So I don't think that's going to get any better. Um, right. and that's Please also why I like, I like Dennis Johnson this week too, because as long as cream hunts out, I think they're going to be rotating. There are just so many carries to go around. I'm totally, I'm actually starting him. And, and, you know, and you go to all these like, you know, sites or whatever, then like, do not start this guy. And I'm like, I still think he's going to get usage, especially since it's Nick Chubb's first week back. What is going on with everybody here? But it's just such a run heavy team, especially if Case Keenum's out there, they're going to keep definitely focusing on that. Um, What you can hope though, is that, yeah, there'll be uh, a, a couple lucky bombs uh, right. You know, DK Metcalf uh, player. People that have him on the team are like, "Yes, I know what you're talking about. I just need one. I just need just one, one big play." Um, it'd be nice if that started with Case Keenum because you're right; it's not happening with Baker, and it's just weird. So, yeah, well, I think I'm just not targeting him at all. I have really high hopes with Landry out, thinking like, "Okay, they're going to funnel yeah. it to, to OBJ," and that didn't really happen. It didn't. I mean, again, they just ran the ball more to the point where both of their running backs broke down. You know, like they, they would rather hurt Chubb and Hunt. They would rather wear those guys down and, and give them more carries than throw the ball to OBJ, who, like Scott was saying, was open on some of those plays. And maybe that's Baker decision-making. Maybe it's in the coaches. They're telling him, like, hey, you know, like I think it was last year, right, where they're like, don't force them the ball. And, like, he was trying too hard. And, like, there might just be some mental aspect of this. But, yeah, it's just – it's nasty right now. OBJ is a tough one. Because I, I think I've had to start him in a couple leagues. Last week especially, I know during Bipocalypse, I had to throw him in a couple places. And I was, like, you know, just gritting my teeth. Like, oh, God, just get something, man. And he got, like, four points. I'm, like, better than zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at least he did something. So, well, yeah, I do want to say one. I have a dislocation problem in my shoulders. So mm-hmm. I have had my shoulder dislocate. I don't even know how many times, 15 times, maybe both sides. Um, I have just bad wow. joints. It's sad. Uh, so does my dad. Actually, my dad played college ball, which is how we all got involved. Uh, he played at the University of Colorado with Papa Hasselbeck. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, nice. You know, Tim and Matt Hasselbeck's father. Um, but yeah, so um, awesome. but, uh, he. And he actually it's cool too because his his shoulders look at it, but he had surgery that, that had like massive like Frankenstein scars, oh, yeah. you know, because they didn't do microscopic anything in the 70s. So <laughs> uh it was woof. And I and my dad's like, take care of your shoulders or you'll look like this. And I was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, but when your shoulder dislocates, 
um, the chance of it dislocating a second time quickly is very, very high. There was Increasing, almost yeah. a for sure chance he was going to do that. And I cannot believe that the medical staff didn't put their foot down. I understand that it wasn't the throwing shoulder. That's not the point. The point is, is that if he right. lands on it, he's screwed. That's how shoulder injuries work. So I knew that this was going to happen and it was upsetting. Um, so I think that the problem is, is that once you dislocate it a second time, you're now loosening those ligaments. Mm -hmm. um, he will get surgery in the off season, no matter what. I'm, I'm almost going to guarantee that to try to do something here. Although sometimes it doesn't work, frankly. Um, but uh, it is, it, I, I think, I think we are, I think we're belittling the injury a little bit more than we should mm. because it's non-throwing arm. Because the problem is if he lands on it, he is just going to keep doing more and more damage, damage that could become permanent depending on a, a third or fourth dislocation. So, uh, I am not a doctor. This is just my personal experience of literally dislocating my shoulder all the time. And the doctor is what they tell me. So, I have never had surgery because I'm not an athlete, but I'm sure they're going to try to do something to try to tighten, tighten everything up so that this doesn't continue happening. It's really about just landing on it. And there's well, no way just, to avoid you gotta, that. You got to use that other shoulder sometimes to get open and to make moves before the catch. I mean, like, it's not like you're not, you're not using it. You're yeah. It's a, you're, you're playing a contact sport. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every, every well, down he's in a contract year too. So that's the tough well, part, right? Because he's like, I got to earn my next contract. Well, and that's kind so of where I, I was going to go with his next and, and kind of take that topic in a different direction and say, well, what do we think he's going to do next year? Is he going to go back to the Browns? Do they really want him or need him? I don't think so. Where does he go? What team is going to, I mean, does he go to somewhere like a green Bay who's playing right now? Like, do they need somebody like this to distract the defense? I mean, what kind of value does he have on another team? It's so tough. And, you were saying that there, Brandon, like he, he's already done this shoulder injury a couple of times. It's not going to go away. It doesn't get better over time. It gets worse. No. And I don't yeah. think he's going to go back to that wide receiver one overall kind of value. Right. I mean, at some point you have to have players, <clears throat> you have to have players that sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, that die on your roster. I think that's kind of where OBJ is headed. You know, like we were saying it before, nobody's really giving you what you want for him. And by the time you're willing to let him go, the price has gone down. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, well, now I can't even get that form. Like, I can't get a second form in a year. Who knows? So yeah, that's what Cam Newton did on one of my rosters. Oh, same here. Yeah, that that was a brutal <laughs> day when they announced he was not not starting and he was getting cut. I was like, well, there goes those three teams. You know, like, okay, great. Uh, and Gurley did that to me in a couple too. And you know, I'm still holding him in one league just by principle. You know, I'm just like, you never know. And now you know, it's it's over. But football's mm -hmm. a brutal sport, right? It's a contact sport. It's 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 not something that everybody can do forever. And there is a lifespan. And I think we see it a lot of times we say that wide receivers have a longer lifespan, not all of them. I mean, there are definitely some that get hurt and can't do this and, and shouldn't yeah. do this, you know, and maybe that's where OBJ is getting. And who knows, maybe he retires after this year, pulls an Andrew Luck, who knows? I hate to say it, but we don't know that. But uh, let's get off of injuries. I think we've done a good job on that. I think we've covered that enough. I do want to talk about some dynasty stuff before we get into our find me a trade. Uh, we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, and it, we hit on it earlier, but I just want to make sure that we, we kind of hammer this point home. Uh, what to do if you're in the middle, right? And we talk about this all the time. Through the first couple of weeks, it's tough to really call yourself in the middle if you're two and two. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, there's not enough of a season. But after seven weeks, you kind of have an idea. Um, and I'm, I'm not even saying standings-wise. I'm saying scoring-wise. If you're sixth in scoring, right? If, you're, if your team is just not quite there, or maybe you've made some... 
I don't know, some bad start sit decisions, but like, what do you do if you're in the middle? Do you cave in and just say, screw it, I'm going for the rebuild? Or do you try to trade your picks and go in for contention? And I know, Brandon, you're only in the one dynasty league right now, but you've been in this game for a while. What do you tend to do if you're in that middle spot? Which way do you prefer? I rarely am in the middle. Well, there it is. There's the answer. I kind of am like an all or nothing person. I, I just yeah. really feel like I don't have any interest in being third place in a, in a league. It, it's just not enjoyable for me. So it doesn't happen a whole lot. But at this point, yes, I make decisions. And I'm almost always in win now. Again, because I just have the mentality of I have no idea, A, if this dynasty is going to stay, B, if I'm going to stay, see if the other people are going to stay, right. uh, you know, and then also, you know, we can try to build these teams as much as possible, but then, you know, something happens to Cam Akers and, you, you know, <laughs> and like these things happen. So I can't ever guarantee that next year, if I have five first round picks, things are going to be great. You know, well, and I, I think you're exactly right. And I'm of the same mindset. Like if, if everyone is zigging, I want to zag. And so I feel like you kind of have to feel the league out. And if you're in the middle and a lot of the league is kind of maybe even four and three and their their team's not great. And you look at that, yeah, they're third in scoring, but they've gotten lucky or they've had some injuries or what have you. And they're not going to do that well going forward. I'm almost always at the mindset of I'm in it until I'm not right. Like I'm one of those teams that will be happy to scrap and fight and be right in the middle and get that sixth spot in the playoffs and win it all. You know what I mean? Like oh, I'm, yeah. one, of those, I'm yeah. one of those teams that I don't give up until you tell me it's over. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, it'll be the, you know, I'll be January. I'll be like making trades. Like, I'm still in this. Like, dude, the season ended three weeks ago. What are you doing? I'm like, I still have a chance. You know, I, I don't give up. And I'm right there with you. Like, there's nothing better than a championship. There's nothing better than points on the board. So I'm I'm almost always, if I'm, if I'm in a tie, if I'm in the middle, I'm deciding to kind of go all in. Let's see what trades I can pull off and kind of go from there and just see what the next couple of weeks hold. But Scott, as someone who plays portfolio and has a lot of teams, I mean, what do you do when you're in the middle? Is it the same kind of mentality? Okay, so <clears throat> what it story time. The main thing is if if you're if you're gonna rebuild, you gotta do it sooner than later, right? Rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. Um, if you're the first one to it, typically you're gonna have a, a bit of an advantage. So it's already too late for that because in, in any given twelve team league, there's probably already you know a team that's decided to go that way, and then there's also another couple of teams that were already doing that whether it's from the off season or the previous season so now you start to get into the the haves and have nots and how many teams do you have to be able to trade assets to right so you kind of have to analyze your league individually and say okay are there teams that are heading down the rebuilding path that have players that can help me now um if I'm real close to the top and I want to put myself over the edge, I'm fine with trading for the Melvin Gordons and players like that. But they, to me, there's no value beyond this year for them. So if I'm a middling team, I don't want to give up youth or assets for a Melvin Gordon type player. Right. Um, because now I could be setting myself back twice. If I don't win it this year and then I have nothing next year and I'm just losing value. Um, so what, what I've noticed is there's typically, uh, two really good times to make a decision of which direction you're going to go and how to get there. And it's just based on my experience. However, our good friend, Jordan McNamara, Analytics of Dynasty, he just came out with the Analytics of Dynasty Rebuilding Guide. 
Okay. And if you play in a lot of leagues or you play in big money leagues, spend the 20 bucks and get it because he has the data that backs up exactly what I'm saying right now. So based on case studies and hundreds of leagues and all that, um, it will tell you the weeks to focus on when you should be looking at your record, things like that. And there's all sorts of tools and tactics and strategies in there. So it's uh, analyticsofdynasty.com. I highly recommend that guide. I've not gotten all the way through it yet, but just where I'm at and then looking at my experience, it's it's perfect. It's literally the stats to back up like what I'm saying. So, I mean, it couldn't have worked out any better. So definitely go support Jordan and get that. It's It's well worth it. Um, but these are the couple weeks where I, I would have said last week would have been one of those where I'm making some decisions on teams, but because of how crazy it was, I put it off a little bit, but over the next two weeks, and it also depends if where your trade deadlines are, right? So some might be around Thanksgiving, some might be a little later, some leagues don't have trade deadlines. So you have to factor that into, um, but really look at your individual league. You're going to have to spend some time going through rosters. Look at the worst teams, look at the best teams. And I'm saying by points, look, go by points, not necessarily record. Um, or if you see a trend, somebody's lost a couple in a row, maybe they're a little dejected, something like that. Just like any other time you're going to find a trade. But in this case, you're going to be targeting specific things. Now, I, I would just highly caution that you are far better off just ending up in the middle than giving away young assets or future picks for guys that are unlikely to have value past this year. Because, I mean, look at it, it pretty much every year you can look back. But last year, if you had a top six pick, you, I mean, okay, oh, I, I have the 106. Oh, I'm so sad. I ended up with Javante Williams or Jamar Chase or Trey Lance, like, yo, that's terrible, right? You know, I mean, I, I'm stoked with any of those guys. And honestly, it's easier sometimes because the decision's made for you, right? So um, I know it doesn't work out like that every year, but in my experience, you're far better off going forward into the future, ending up in the middle than moving young assets for guys that are unlikely to have value past this year. So you just really have to analyze that. I would also say your first round pick becomes way more valuable the closer you get to your draft. For sure. Because exactly. people get excited to draft. So yep. if you aren't able to sell it now-ish, I think that's what you're saying basically, then hold and get. And then if you do want to sell right before the draft, do it because you'll get gangbusters because people are so excited to get their exactly. one, one or whatever. Right. Whereas now it's not as exciting. It's not as shiny of a toy that you can take advantage of. So yeah, I mean, listen, like, um, I mean, we're going to, you know, I don't want to bear the lead here, but, um, that's not the right term that I'm even looking for right now. But the point is, is that that's why I'm going, like, if you're going to do it, like go for like a Dalvin cook, go for a, uh, you know, a big time dude. Don't just go for like Miles Sanders. Like you the fact I mean? that, yeah, you know, I, you have no idea if this dude's even going to be playing football next year. I know it sounds crazy, but literally look at his game log and then say, maybe that's a right. reality. So yeah, like don't, I agree. I mean, I, I think that this is also making sense. Like really go for the gold. Cause sometimes well, also people are trade junkies and oh. it's not even that great a trade, but they're like, I want to trade. So, okay. 
Yeah, that's I'm, right. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I've made we live for those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think also though what you're saying too, Scott, is don't give up value just to do yeah. something, like just to make a move, right? Like make sure yeah. it's still good value. And I, Seriously. I think too, something that I tell people, which may surprise them, is that like I tend to look at a calculator for a lot of my trades, not to say yes or no, but just to kind of check the pulse on where things are. Right. Just to be like, am I getting emotional? Am I biased? I in this? Am I looking at this like I really want this player, but could I get them plus an OBJ throw? In? You know what I mean? Like, am I really giving up value here? And it's not because I don't know value. It's more of my values are different than the calculator, whatever calculator. And that calculator value is different than my trade partner. You know what I mean? Like, no, there is no one value in any of this. I like to use it as like a level set just to be like, hey, am I missing something? Is there something I'm not like Brandon Ayuk is still worth a lot of stuff in some calculators. I have no value for him. Right. But it's like maybe somebody else still does. And it kind of reminds me, like, wait a minute, there are still trades out there where people like him. I shouldn't give him away for a third. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm done with a guy, but I can probably get a second for him or, you know, get more than that. And so like, that's where I use that stuff as a tool, not as a decider, but like as a tool in my toolbox to be like, all right, what am I doing? The other thing that I wanted to hit on, and I think you're kind of saying this for me, if I'm rebuilding or if I'm just not sure what to do, I almost always start at the bye weeks because if you've got somebody on a buy in your league that is going for it and they need a QB and they're going to be desperate to get one win. I can send them a Jared Goff. I can send them a Taylor Heineke. I can send them a, I don't know, a Tarod Taylor. Like, you know, some of these guys that have absolutely zero or little value in Superflex, and I can get back more, and I can take a player like a George Kittle or something, like not maybe not one for one, but like I can target a player who's injured that they may be kind of done with, right? Like I could trade, I don't know, let's say a trade like a, a Ricky Seals-Jones and a Chase Edmonds and Jared Goff for George Kittle. You know, something like that, where it's like, I'll take that injured guy off your roster. You're going to get points, which is what we were just talking about. That's what you should go for. But if I'm rebuilding, the bye weeks are when I start really zooming in and looking at the league and being like, going through each team's lineup on Sunday, even like wait until the games start and be like, all right, what teams are, are really weak and where? You know what I mean? Like this guy's only got two QBs and one of them's on a bye next week. I might have a chance. You know what I mean? Like that's when I start to strike. And I think that's where... Again, I'm all for going all in, but if you're at the bottom of the standings or the bottom of the scoring, it doesn't matter. You, you could try to get a guy like Melvin Gordon, but what's that doing for you, right? If you're in the middle and you really don't know what to do and you're really just kind of like, I have, I've got a very low chance of winning or I don't feel like I can pull this off. I think tanking is the, the wrong word for it. It's like a productive struggle. It's like, I want to go get more assets. I want to earn more value. I want to find something that's more stable. And I always say, and it kind of goes back to the portfolio logic, players are like stocks, picks are like cash, right? I would rather put money in my checking account than risk it right now. Put it in my checking account. It'll be safe accruing 1% every month. It just adds a little bit to the, but I'm not risking it because I don't want to risk it right now. I don't need to risk it. I need to just accrue something and get a base and then come draft time, come rookie draft, trade those picks back for stock. And like Brandon was saying, don't pick every pick. My God, I was just, I actually was on a, on a Twitter thread today. Scott Connor was talking about this. Who's another portfolio player. He's like, you don't have to make all your picks. Like you can accrue picks. And then from January to March, trade them all away for assets. Cause that's when people want picks and they're willing to give away guys like DJ Moore for a first round pick. And you're like, I would gladly take DJ Moore over the 107, like any day of the week. Right. But the guy's like, you know what? I'm just done with DJ Moore and I don't have any picks. I really want to pick. And so the more picks you get, the more chance you have of making a trade like that, not to make the pick. So I feel like all of that kind of comes into play. So again, if you're in the middle and you're not sure what to do, take a look at your standings, take a look at the other teams, do some evaluation. It's definitely worth the time. And in Dynasty, again, we don't know what next year holds. We don't know if we're going to be in this league. That's a terrific way to put it. But 
I always try to win. And I think sometimes the best way to win is not to play, right? Like, let's just let's just take myself out of the game this year, right? A little uh, War Games reference for those of us in the, the millennial generation. But like, the, sometimes the winning move is to just sit back and go, all right, I'll, I'll collect my stuff. And we'll get it figured out. That was a movie from the 80s, Scott. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All that aside, I think I think that kind of covers it. I think we hit on it. But does anybody else have anything of that same tone before we go into the finding? Me I was just gonna say I want to clarify. Like to me, what I like about Melvin Gordon is he should be free. Mm. Okay, so like that's the thing. Like Agreed. I target Agreed. people for free. Like I'm like Agreed. I can get these people for free to score me points. But if you're asking me to pay for him, the answer is no. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Is that it's like there's yes. no there's no point in me giving up a first to get Melvin Gordon plus four other players or something that are all just middling. That doesn't make any sense. But right. if I can get Dalvin Cook with someone just throwing in a Melvin Gordon. Right. Okay. Or well now we're a having a conversation. Like, yeah. If like got now, a lot of picks, just trade a little guy for a Melvin Gordon. I agree with you hundred percent. I want yep. a little TY Hilton in my life. I want these dudes that have nothing, but I want them thrown in with the dude I'm actually targeting. Yeah, that's not your target. Yes. Right, right, right. Right. Yes. But be but they should be free. And that's what I love about them. They should be my free dudes. And it's I, like, I, a I, like your OBJ. Like a bruised was... fruit at the grocery store, right? right. Like, I, I, I need to get some fruit in my life, but I'd rather take the free bruised pineapple. You know what I mean? Like, give me the, the one you're going to throw away. That's a much cheaper for me, and it still counts as fruit, so I'm good, right? I don't care what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like, I don't that's care. What yeah, like when things get thrown in and they have some value, you're like, I feel so lucky, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if I have to pay for it, I'm pissed, even yeah, if exactly. I liked it the same, right? Exactly. So I agree with All you 100%. about value. All yeah, about yeah, value. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly and right. Then... It's always about the cost. On the other side, if you're rebuilding, retooling, whatever, target injured players, sure. um, even if you're not fans of them. Um, for example, I traded away all my Dobbins before the season. I had zero shares of Dobbins left before week one. Now, I think I have, I'm up to three or four because, again, I don't love him, but guess what's going to happen next year when camp rolls around and they're like, oh, man, he's... 10 months out from ACL surgery and he looks so good and he's cutting and he's, uh, and everybody's going to get excited again and you could trade him for whatever you want. So even if you don't like the player, don't play, he doesn't, you know, Oh, I don't want running backs right now. I'm rebuilding. I get it. That's fine. But injured players target those guys because you're going to be able to trade them in the future. Um, additionally, especially if your league goes by potential points, for the mm. draft picks for the non-playoff teams, that guy's not scoring you any points. Yep. So that's going to improve your pick as well. And so even you might not be able to get up to one or two, but if you can move up to, you know, from seven to three or four, I mean, that's that can sometimes be the difference because we never really know where the cutoff's going to be from that, you know, elite talent. Um, and you may be able to trade back or do some other things once we get closer to that point. So target injured players. No, and I think too you're you're hitting something there that I don't think we we talk about enough is know your settings, right? Like know what your league is, like when is your yep. trade deadline? Is your trade deadline week 12 or did it move back to week 13 because we added a week or is there no trade deadline? Cuz I think sometimes people just assume it's the same across every league that there's like a standard no, it's not. That's not true. No, it is. Some players and you were just saying like potential points, some players of, that play fantasy don't even know what that is. Right. Where it's like, listen, it's your potential points. Like how many points did your team get through the year, including your bench or like a starting best ball lineup would have scored X amount of points. 
that's where it's like, well, I benched the guy, so I'm tanking. No, nope, doesn't matter. We're potential points. So that kind of takes that out and of it. And don't do that, please. Well, start your boss lineup. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I'm just saying there are sometimes people try to get cute, and that's why potential right. points exist because it's like, no, 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 that's that we're not doing that here. So you might as well start your best lineup. But that's exactly. kind of what I mean. If you don't know that that's a case, then you're you're hurting yourself. Might as well trade for a Dobbins because he's getting you a zero. There's no doubt that Dobbins will score zero points this year. Not a question. And sometimes that's a good thing. I agree entirely. So let's move into the, the find me a trade. This one, I think this was an interesting one. I think we got some some interesting options here, and I'm looking forward to, to the discussion. So this was submitted by uh, Andy Mabry at Star Chucker on Twitter, which I think is a terrific Twitter name. Star Chucker, like he's throwing stars. It's just terrific. Uh, it was a uh, it's a sleeper league. The the league is named Neutral Zone. I'll bring it up here for the, on the sharing the screen for a second. We'll kind of run through the team. His name is King of the Corgis, which again I think is it's just. This is so creative. I like it. Um, but he is four and three. So he's right where we were talking about in that middle of the pack. And, uh, you know, like, is is this a team that we think can make the jump? Is it something we can see happening? Um, is it something that I guess maybe should he rebuild or something like that? Uh, I think the let me pull it up here. So this is a start eight. It's a one QB league. And you can see it there on the screen. One QB, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end and two flex. And it's kind of run of the mill. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's 12 teams and, and all of that jazz. He's got 17 bench players, eight IR and five taxi. Now, eight IR seems like a lot. But during this COVID year, we saw a lot of leagues up the IR slots uh, just because of the chaos and the randomness. So I'm not sure if it's always eight IR or maybe there were other bench spots and they switched. I don't know. But I, I like when a start eight has eight IR. It's like, OK, your entire starting lineup can be on IR. Interesting. <laughs> but anyway, let's uh, let's kind of run through the league. So the starters on this, we've got Dak Prescott at QB, uh, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris as the starting running backs, DK Metcalf, DJ Moore as the receivers, TJ Hawkinson, our boy Rocky loves him some Hawkinson, so that's always good. Uh, Darrell Williams and Devonta Smith round out his flex spots. Now, I think that's a pretty solid starting core. I don't hate any of that. Uh, I think that the, the depth is kind of where maybe it takes a different turn. But he's got Aaron Rodgers, Taylor Heineke, and Geno Smith on his bench. Running backs, we got Divina Zigbo, Saban Ahmed, Ty Johnson, Ty Montgomery, Devonta Freeman, Anthony McFarlane, Elijah McGuire, Jamar Jefferson. None of those guys are are really flex worthy, in my opinion. Maybe Ahmed if we get lucky. So I actually, I, I'm going to confess something. I sent a message to Andrew Bain, like, I'm sorry, I don't think I understand this. Why does he have 500 running backs that make no sense? And then these amazing wide receivers. And I got very confused. I was like, I'm, I don't, I think I'm not reading it correctly. And he was like, no, I think you are. Said, okay. that's, that's, yep. That's exactly what you're seeing. And, and I think, well, your, your, your receiver, I mean, again, we saw the receivers, right? They're we go great. Back up, He's starting Devonta Smith, DK Metcalf, and DJ Moore. That's pretty solid. But on the bench, he's got Corey Davis, Chase Claypool, T. Higgins. I mean, that's three but solid that's receivers on your bench. But that's it. Exactly. That, that's it. There are no yeah. receivers on this team. Uh, tight end uh, after Hawkinson. He's got Troutman, Uzama, and Conklin. And then if you scroll even further, we've got a lot in IR, of course. We've got O'Shaughnessy, Barber, Gallup, Hurd, Edwards Hilaire. So there's another running back there. Bowden, who I think is a free agent technically, Jake Funk, who's not doing anything. And then Taxi, we've got Trey McKitty, Elijah Moore, which again, I think I might leave that guy in Taxi given those receiver core. 
and then a couple of other scrubs here, right? And then looking further, picks-wise, he's got two 22 firsts, neither of which are his, which I think is interesting to note. He's got a second and a third, and then two 23, sorry, three 23 firsts, one of which is his. So he's got a pretty good core and a lot of future assets. So I think this is one of those teams where you're four and three, and it's like, man, how the heck are you four and three? Like, that doesn't really make sense to me. Like, what? Are, how, how did this happen? Uh, and I'm trying to go in here to the uh, to the scores, and you can kind of see King of the Corgis here. 777 is is right in the middle of the pack scoring wise. It's it's top half, right? He's fifth place in the league, and so it's like this guy is in the middle, but he's exactly what we were talking about earlier, Brandon. He's fifth, but he's not fifth. Like he's he's got a lot of potential. So I guess let's start with you, Scott. What was your trade? What were you thinking about for for a trade on this one? And and kind of give us your thoughts there. All right, so. Um, uh, kind of what we were talking about before, where you take this team and you see a lot of youth and talent and uh, assets with all the draft picks. So if he wants to make a run, that's fine. But let's not give up, you know, all this youth and let's let's not waste this potential here. Let's not give up the value. Um, now, in a, in a start eight league, um, and I had, I was, I was very confused for quite a while as to, especially because the, um, I knew Rogers was playing tonight and I was like, why isn't Rogers in his lineup? I don't, I don't know what's going on here. And as you can tell, I'm not great at reading notes. So I didn't realize it was a one quarterback <laughs> league. Yeah. And so I was like, what is happening? I don't get this. <laughs> um, but anyway, so what stood out to me immediately was like, I liked his initial, you know, like his core of the running backs, receivers, but then the flex kind of was like, I was like, eh, I, I don't, I don't, the, the two flex spots were weak in my opinion. And then I started looking down the rest of the roster there. Now with Swift and Harris, I love having those two young running backs, but with a half PPR, you're losing a little bit of value because those guys are bringing the volume in the passing game. So in general, not within the league necessarily, but in in general, those guys are gonna um, they're gonna score a lot of points from catching the ball, right? So the like in smaller leagues, when you have smaller leagues or when you have less starting positions, like most of my leagues are start ten or eleven, so a start eight is is very small, and then then the large bench size. Now I like that um, setup, but what it means is anytime you have a smaller league or smaller starters, you want more studs and obviously, Oh yeah, Scott, no kidding. You want more studs on your team? Like, yeah, obviously no, I get it. Regardless of your settings, you want studs. Um, but in this case, I, I would be trying to package depth and try to get the best possible players, not just for this year, but going forward too. So if you can find a trade that's going to help you both now, initially um, looking at some of the teams near the bottom in points are also the teams at the bottom of the standings in this league. Mm -hmm. So that worked out nicely. Um, Mixon was a guy that I wanted to target there because I believe in half PPR, I tend to go heavier with running backs when I want to compete. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily right, but that's, that's typically <laughs> what I do. Uh, however, um, I didn't, I didn't like anything that I came up with there. I knew I'd have to give up picks and everything and Mixon. I just, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really feel like this particular roster that Mixon would be a great fit for it. 
um, because I think he could win this year if if he stays healthy and he's getting the volume and all that. But what I don't like is the uncertainty going forward. So uh, I wanted to target another. I wanted to find a stud. And the crazy thing to me is that AJ Brown is like he's still. I mean, he's AJ Brown, but people are like, well, you know, he's hurt, and the offense isn't on. Derrick Henry just runs the ball. Like, okay, what's how's that any different than the last few years? Like, that's just you know. So, I AJ Brown to me right now seems like a, a buy anywhere you can get. Now he had a decent week last week, and if you watched the game, you saw he looked really good and is is still aj brown um but that's initially what i saw was on ir was ceh and especially in a half ppr i want to get out of that situation um so for me i i packaged uh ceh and claypool to go to team zone six for aj brown now i actually don't want to give up claypool in a half ppr so maybe you go a different direction maybe um higgins who's in my opinion, another buy right now because of what Chase is doing. Um, give me all the Higgins because I think he's only 10 receptions behind him. He just doesn't have the big splash plays and all that, but that's 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 fine. They're kind of fading Boyd from the offense anyway. So um, if, if you could give up Higgins instead of Claypool, um, that would be fine too. But basically packaging um, one of those running backs and getting yourself another stud receiver to plug in that lineup. It's nice to have the depth, and it's going to get you through the bye weeks and the injuries and all that, no doubt. Um, but adding A.J. Brown to that lineup, I think just it, it gives you one more positional advantage over your opponent. Well, I love the idea of packaging to get a stud. You put it perfectly. When you start eight, it's kind of like you need to have the best eight possible in your starting lineup and you don't want to have decisions every week do i start claypool or higgins or devonta smith like i'd much rather have aj brown than any of those guys so it's like take two from your bench to get a starter i i love that logic yeah i mean brandon what do you think about that is aj brown something you're you're enjoying in this uh, type of format here yeah yeah i am i think that that you know it's interesting because um I, I felt two different ways about this. I thought to myself, why aren't there more wide receivers here? And my first tip actually has nothing to do with the trade, but just there's got to be better wide receivers than the running backs you got there. You don't need that many running backs that you will never start. So I would just go try to find wide receivers on waivers, first of all. Like even with that size of uh, roster, literally none of them are startable. So they all got to go. Um, well, you got to start rotating, I should say. I mean, obviously, right. it's not going to be all at once, right? Because sure. waivers on Dynasty Leagues is not a thing. But, but you, you know, you can get little little pieces here, little pieces there. Um, and then I thought the same thing. I, when was the last time either of you played in eight or ten person league? Last year, I did a ten. Yeah, I, I don't have anything lower than twelve. Yeah, so everyone poo poos them, and uh, I it's understand a whole that. Game. It's, it's whatever, but it's actually very are. tough. Because yeah. all of the teams are good. And I think that that's exactly why we're looking. It, it's There's kind of what luck. you're saying here, too, about these eight players. Like like my dynasty, league, we start 12. So literally, does he breathe is a good enough thing to start in some weeks, right? Whereas this one, they really need to be good. And so where we agree is that there needs to be a stud that goes in there. Whether it's a running back or a wide receiver, it needs to be a stud. Because otherwise, you're not going to move the needle at all in these leagues where you start less or you're in a smaller league, that's just in general, you have to go massive stud. You cannot, there's no 
no, you know, frankly, Chase Claypool isn't going to move the needle. Right. right. This is not a good right. enough player right now for this team. So we agree on that. It's just I probably would go running back because in my opinion, even though he has 50 of them, um, there are none of them are startable. So if he has one injury to those two studs, he's got a massive problem. And even when CEH comes back, you're not going to, you know, he's tough to start too, right? With any confidence, yeah. right? Yeah. He's boom or bust and it's going to be tough. And then is Kansas City going to go back there? Also, Kansas City's struggling. Right. So it's yeah, a different right. team even now. I'm not quite sure you can play him. I agree. If you're going to move anyone, he's the guy. Um, but either way, it has to be a stud. So if it's AJ Brown, great. If it's another stud at the running back position, fine. But but this is a situation like if you're an 18, 8 or 10 team league, uh, it is stud only. There are no scrubs in your star. You cannot afford that. So I, I agree with that. Well, just to clarify, you mean you're starting eight players, not that there are eight teams in the league. Right? Like yeah, but I'm saying, saying it's the same technique. Either way. The, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just making sure that you're same. clear. Like this, yeah, I get what your yeah. logic is. Yep. When you're only yeah, starting that few of many. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And the problem is like people poo-poo these things, but honestly, it's a different mentality. This is this is actually the same thing that that actually I was kind of known for like my whole career, but I, that you said earlier, and I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. know your settings, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of that. Since you only start eight, you have to change the way that you're thinking about this. Um and and I think that's it's it just it's all very similar to me because that's well, why he's of, middling. You well, need yeah, more so, ceiling than floor when you start loss. Yes, agreed. And I guess Brandon, what was your trade? Because yours is kind of in that same vein, right? Like to consolidate and to kind of get a stud. What was your trade? Yeah, I thought I thought I would I would move a first to get a Dalvin Cook type, and then I would I would pair that with Chase Claypool. Uh, Claypool, and then I would get like a T.Y. Hilton Osborne, and it was from. Uh, let me look at the name of the dude. Ryan Balling, which is a terrific Balling. Hopefully, it's yeah, right. yeah. And actually, his team has a lot of pieces. And interestingly enough, um, they're in a position, the Ryan Balling team, where um, they they should be out of it, especially with Hunt out. But they may be thinking that they're still in it. So this is also a good way for you to just, to determine how this person feels. Um, their team is very interesting. I bet I, their team, they're surprised they're losing that much. Uh, but there's there's a lot of pieces here. But, I, you know, the the Hilton, Osborne, Crowder, whatever, those are people that you can get thrown in for free, like I said. But I think you do need to have a little more wide receiver depth. If you If you give one away, you need to get one back because you only have two dudes, really. Right. Well, yeah, is it there's, three? There's, is it three, there's on the three bench? in the starting and three on the bench. And it's, 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 it's weird because all the receivers are startable or flexible. Yeah, they're all like, excellent. You've yes. only got really three running backs. If you count Daryl Williams while CEH is out, you've really only got three running backs. That's, it's odd because, again, it, it's, a, it's a different setup than I'm, I usually build, but it, not a bad thing. It's just how some of these teams go. But to have you know what ends up being like 12 running backs and only three startable, that's where I'm like, okay, well, that's the weak spot. Yes, you have quantity, but you don't have quality. And I think I love the idea of trading for someone like a Dalvin cook, like someone who's on a, on a, you know, two and five team, like the one there. And they had some injuries. They've got David Montgomery and cream hunt. Like they've got Marquise Brown. They've got some good young talent to build around. 
and Cook might be on one of his last legs. That guy, I could see if I was two and five and I had that team that you're talking about, I could see moving Cook for a first in Claypool. Like Claypool's a young asset. I'm getting younger. You can have Cook, right? And then throwing in a Crowder or a Hilton, psh, I'm, I'm not needing those guys anyway. So I think that's a fine trade, and it gives you a stud yeah, who I, I like would consider. I would consider Cook your best running back then. Like that is now your RB one. That's a terrific yeah. trade. Yes, you're giving away a first, and you're giving away Chase Claypool, but you need a stud, and that's what you're getting. I love that trade. Yeah, and and the thing is too is that this person may be in the mentality of Dalvin Cook also keeps getting hurt, right? Yep. So so they're thinking, okay, well maybe this is this is my moment. Let me you off know, this I ride. can get this. Yeah. And I got that young asset with Chase Claypool. I believe in him. And, and you know, there's a little bit of a Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, uh, you know, debate going on. So you don't know what side this person's on. Um, and then he he can decide, you know what, maybe I am in real rebuild. And they can go that direction. Again, they have a lot of good pieces there. I'm interested in this team. They want to move one way or the other right now. So yeah. that's, that, that's that two I and target. five team is a terrific target. You're exactly right. Because it's like, they're, they're not bad, but they might be wanting to just get out of it and be like, you know what? This isn't my year. Let me turn it around. I like that. And they're probably um, still participating. Yeah. Sometimes these one, <laughs> these like, you know, one win or zero win teams are really just chill and they're kind of like, eh, and then they're not really excited about trades either. Yeah. The two yeah. to and five guys like, yep. yeah. Well, so my team, my, my trade was actually with one of those one and six, and it was for Mixon, which is what you were kind of poo-pooing a little bit before, Scott. But like my logic was send the 103. He's got what he predicts, predicts to be the 101 and 103. And again, if you're in the middle and you, neither of those picks are his, so it's like it doesn't matter what your team does, but that 103 is, is not going to be this guy's pick. And so I don't want to give him his pick back because I feel like I, I, I kind of want that team to be bad and I want to hold that pick. And if I'm taking a player off of it for the pick, I'd rather have the pick and let him not have the player. It's kind of a win-win, right? So whichever pick wasn't his, whichever one, you know, the other pick, sending it for something like Mixon and Ertz, like Ertz is a throw-in. You know, you've got Hawkinson, you've got Troutman, you've got some potential guys on your bench for tight end. I think Ertz could be a flex here and there as buys and injuries pile up. But then you add Mixon, who I think really changes the dynamic of this team. And I mean, again, it's not a Dalvin Cook. It's not quite that pretty. So that's a better trade than what I came up with. But I think Mixon is somebody that you can still go out there and get for a single first. And this next year's running back class is not that stellar. And I think if you've got two picks and if, if it was me and I had two picks in the early like first half of the draft, I'm probably not taking a running back with one of those unless there's a crazy difference or some crazy landing spot, which we never know. I mean, again, we're, we're talking about this at the end of October. We don't know what the draft is going to be yet, but I'm looking at it like, I would much rather have a running back like Mixon on my team than a rookie receiver-ish. I'm already going to get a rookie receiver. Give me Mixon. I think he's still got a couple years left. This team is built to win for a couple years. So I'm looking at it like, give me the Mixon. Give me the known running back points. Give me some flexibility as I head into the playoffs. Because I don't think you're going to get it done with the team you have now. You're, you're too wide receiver quality and running back quantity. You kind of need to level that out a little. And I think too uh, is once you once you make that trade, you get two players and you can drop two of your running backs for those two guys. You know, like you kind of level it out a little more. Maybe even drop one of your other tight ends and get another receiver. I mean, I was looking like James Washington is on waivers. I might rather have him than Divino Zigbo. You know what I mean? Like th there's some other guys that are on waivers. I was just looking at it a second ago. It's like you got Demarcus Robinson. You know, sometimes he gets a touchdown, could be a flash in the pan. You've got Kenny Stills for New Orleans. Who knows? You got Chris Conley, Rashard Higgins. Like some of those guys, receivers, I would rather have a lot of those players than some of these running backs on your team. Like Elijah McGuire, Anthony McFarland, those guys do nothing for me. You know, like get rid of those guys. 
Um, and Jamar Jefferson, I don't mind holding on to that kind of as a handcuff, but just I think he might have some potential. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, we're all on the same page. Let's, let's let's try to level up. Let's get to a better running back or a better receiver and try to stub this team out. And I do think at three and four, four and three, you're not out of it with this team, right? You've got some potential to turn it around. So I think those are some terrific ideas. I think, is there anything else you guys want to talk about related to this team before we kind of wrap up for the evening? Well, I think that that Scott made a good point where like, so I'm going to link it to this dude. This man clearly likes to trade, right? Mm-hmm. So he he's first on even his own. This is not the end of the road for your first picks. This isn't whatever. Let's say you can't, even with one of these studs, it's still not happening. Okay, trade one away and get the, another first. Like, who cares? Exactly. At this point, like, just try, because clearly you're a mover and a shaker. So I'm not worried Great about point. you not getting a first round pick at some point if you need it. But if you win, then you used it the way you should. And so, um, you know, I know my strength. I am a much better. um, I'm not as good at rookie drafts as I want to be. I'm just not. I seem to always pick someone that that disappoints. Uh, And I'm just going (laughs) to. Yeah. Uh, Corey Davis. Oh, my gosh. Um, You know, I mean, there's just some moments that I just was like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Well, you didn't predict the seventh year breakout or whatever it is. Yeah. (laughs) And also it was just so painful. It was so painful. Um, You know, and and that's okay. You know, you you just got to know your strengths. And 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 you are a good trainer person that we're talking to, because like I'm looking down the whole thing. This is good stuff. So. Um, yeah, I guess I, I feel, you know, uh, also we don't mean to poo poo that you only start eight starters either just to clarify. It's just that it's a totally different concept than probably a lot of the dynasty content you're, you're absorbing right now because a lot of leagues are starting way more players. 9, 10, 11, 13. I'm in one that starts 13, which is just a beast. I mean, it's like every week you're scraping the barrel. Yeah, 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 you know, and you're like, oh, Jeremy McNichols, is that what I'm talking about now? And so, like, off of waivers into lineup. Yep, exactly. Yeah, got on waivers. Oh my gosh, I'm jealous. You know, it's like, yeah. So I think um, it just is a different concept. So I don't want to say don't do absorb this dynasty content, but some of the dynasty content I wouldn't overly absorb because your league is really specific. So I don't know. And and Scott, you're like a portfolio dude. So you probably have more of these than (laughs) I can, you know, shake a stick at, but it, this, a lot of the things that I read in dynasty and maybe it's just because I'm in larger leagues are geared to larger leagues. Is that true? Yes. Like lineups, so, yeah. I should say, like I mean, because there's a lot of bench. Size, right? Yeah, where you have 10 starters and it's a 12-team league and, you know, you're, you're kind of – they're even I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of articles in Dynasty that talk about, you know, three or four or five flexes and things like that. He's only got two flex. You know what I mean? Two receiver, two running back, two flex. I mean, that you're, you're really – that's different than most leagues. And that's not a bad thing at all. I think that a lot of times the differences yeah. are what makes the league fun. Uh, I joined a lot of leagues this year and, and last year even because they were different. That was the whole point. Like, what's different about this league? Oh, it starts three running backs, three receivers, three flex, two tight end. I'm in. You know, like that's something I've never done before. That's crazy. And it, it's painful. <laughs> but at the same time, it makes it fun, like to stretch your mind a little and to kind of get into this. I've actually thought about doing something where it's like start six. You know what I mean? With like 35 person teams, but you only start six where like the decisions are, are the important part. Cause I hate that part. Like that's where I need to get better. And that's where I want to grow. Right. So that's where I'm thinking next is like, maybe I do something like that. But yeah, I, I think we've covered it. I think this, I think Andy's got a lot of good options. I think 
even if nothing else, he's got some bones for some good trades. I would love to hear what you think of that, Andy. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Dynasty Junkies. Let us know if you can pull off any of these trades. Um, I, again, I don't think any of these have to be done. I don't think you're in a bad spot. I think you're okay with where you are, but hopefully you got some good advice from us there and can take that and apply it. Um, I think that's that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this episode. So, I, Brandon, what are you up to lately? I know you've got a bunch of stuff going on with The Athletic, but wh- where can people find you if they want to kind of check out your content? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Her FFB, which um, I used to have a podcast and a Sirius XM radio show with my sisters called Her Fantasy Football. So that's where that comes from. Um, and uh, we actually have a family league that's a 10-person league. Uh, it's one of my harder leagues because everyone's good. And obviously they're very good at fantasy football. So um, uh, it's, it, uh, it is, it's really tough and I have to literally like change my brain. So that's kind of why I'm so passionate about it. But uh, yeah, so, uh, but you can check me out there and I am on Wednesdays. The athletic has different people doing different days. So on Wednesdays I do the athletic show, uh, the the fantasy football podcast with uh, Nando DeFino and Chris Vaccaro. Um, which is fun because Chris does a lot of high stakes leagues and it's very specific yeah. and I'm a little bit more like granule, um, all leagues type <laughs> thing. Casual or normal, um, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. 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 Or just, um, not specific to, um, the, uh, group of people. I think sometimes you can get in a mentality with a group of people that, that all is the same, but it, it's really good though, because they actually can inform you so you can be ahead of the game. So it's That's really, true. really good. Um, and then Nando is just great and kind of like the godfather, one of the content godfathers of the entire fantasy industry. So someone, everyone should know. No, it's, um, it's and then I do the mailbag. Yeah. I do oh, the okay, mailbag for the athletic and awesome. I do like 20 questions. I mean, I, I like there are comments and then they're like, no one does mailbags like this. This is nuts. And that's what I do. And it is so fun because people ask ridiculous questions and everyone always at the bottom is like, oh my gosh, no one would ever do that trade. And then sure enough, someone shows up in the comments and like, yep, someone did that trade. So that's why I'm also passionate about just try it. See what they'll do. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm dipping my toe back in. I took two seasons off um, and and it's been really fun. And so uh, this is only my second guest appearance on a podcast, I believe, this year because um, I'm really trying to lay it down. But I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun and um, I, I appreciate it. And Dynasty adds such a good fun layer to fantasy sports in general. And I'm really glad when people target that genre because it is a genre. It's a completely different um, force. And, and uh, I learn from people like you guys all the time. So thank you. No, we really appreciate you having uh, the time, I guess, giving us your time. I know your time is precious. You've got the, the baby and everything. So we really appreciate you coming on and jumping on here. I do, but I I'm know- also lame now. <clears throat> like a lot of people don't know who I am. It's really interesting. Like the whole space has changed in just two years. So I like, I show up on Twitter and there's all these people that are just like, and everyone's listening to them and I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> I don't know. This is, and guess what? They don't know who I am either. And who cares? You know, and that's yeah. fine. You know, uh, but it's interesting. I'm like, maybe, not, you know, maybe no one wants me on their show anymore. I don't know. Oh, um, no, that's not it. But it's also kind of fun to like lay low. That's you know? true. I kind of that's feel true. like sure. a, like a sleuth. You know, like a spy underneath the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Stealth. What's going on? So, um, but I just really appreciate you both, and thank you so much. And and cheers to everyone doing Dynasty, guys. Week, week eight. 
Oh, yeah, let's go get those titles, right? That's what this is all about. So really, again, thank you so much for coming on, Brandon. It was a great conversation. I'm really glad we could get you. Uh, find the rest of us. Obviously, I mentioned that the Dynasty Junkies, at Dynasty Junkies on Twitter. Uh, send us DMs. If you've got questions, if you want to talk about trades, tag us in polls. We're always a fan of that. We always like to retweet that stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, you can find me on Twitter at AndrewHallFF. You can find Scott at Scott underscore Sidlow. Our third host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict. Uh, he's a busy man. He's on about every other podcast in Dynasty there is. So you've probably heard him 30 times already this week. Uh, but he's he's off tonight, but he'll be back next week. we got another great guest lined up. But subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We like any of those reviews, any of those comments. If you've got feedback for us, we're always here for it. And with all that aside, I mean, again, great episode. But Scott, take us out of here. Shout out to Andy Mabry for uh, submitting the Find Me a Trade. Good luck with that, my brother. Shout out to Zach Reed in the comments. We see you, man. You're the best. Love you, dude. To one of my all-time favorites, Brandon Marianne Lee. Amazing. Awesome to have you here. Like I said, I think it's been like a decade I've been listening to you. So that's that's <laughs> crazy, right? That's awesome. Oh, so for Brandon, for my man Andrew Hall, I'm Scott Sidlow. Junkies out.